0: A young man was walking on a path on a, a cliff's edge in the evening, and he had to take careful steps, but he faltered and he fell off of the edge of the cliff, only to stumble a little bit way down to catch the limb of a tree that was extending itself off of the cliff's edge. Holding on, he started to shout in the dark. He said, help, help, is there anyone up there? And there was a, someone walking by that just said, what do you want? What's going on? And this man shouted up, listen, I've fallen off this cliff. I'm, I'm holding on to this, this tree limb, and I can't hold on that much longer. Can you help? And the voice from up above on the ledge said, I can. The guy just said, well, who are you? The voice said, I'm God. And so he said, what should I do? What should I do? And so God shouts down, let go of the limb. And this long pause as this man's hanging there from this limb, as his grip is starting to slip, then shouts up after a long pause, says, Is there anybody else up there? (laughs) I want to talk about faith. Because I think sometimes we find ourselves in life hanging on this limb called Christianity, called our faith. And when we read and study scripture, we start to unpack it, and we hear things about what God asks of us, like let go of the tree, and then it changes, right? Our faith is then put into question about how much do we really trust a God that we say created the world, that we say is in charge of all things. You see, I think a lot of us in our world today are hanging on a limb in faith, and maybe Need a better understanding or definition of what faith really is. I think there's a lot of people out there today that believe that there is a God. A lot of people in church culture today, and as we call the term religion, operate and say, I do believe that God is out there and He's done some things. But as far as giving me instruction, as far as me taking steps to live out what He's called me to do, uh, is there anybody else up there? Because often we just want answers that fit what we want the result to be. We have a series we're starting called More Than a Feeling. And we were very excited to start this series. And let me tell you kind of where that derives, kind of why do we pick series in certain ways. One is we see what's happening in the world. And what we see in the world is there's a real big misunderstanding of what faith is. Many people just think it's some ideas about God and, and, and some optimism, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Others, another way we look at it is what's happening in our church, and often I'll hear people in our church just talk about feelings in faith. They'll attach this idea that if, if the songs are, are you know, lined up and it gives you kind of that good feeling, and it's not wrong, but it gives you that, oh, this feels so right. My faith is stronger this week. And we've attached that feelings are such a large part of faith, and faith is so much more than that. The third area, really, that helps at least me decide where we're going to head in a teaching series is not just the world, and not just what you are struggling through, but what I need. And as I've been researching just about faith and unpacking it, I am amazed at the depth that we can look at when we start to study this idea of faith. It's eight weeks long. And today we're going to dive into Hebrews chapter one. But we've all we have oranges all over. Those are oranges are yours to take. Um, we found out somebody was deathly allergic to oranges, and so uh, we've t- sent them to another church. No, I'm just teasing. Um, they're somewhere sequestered so we don't hurt them. But what, we have a couple hopes for this series. One would be is this this being a metaphor, and all metaphors aren't perfect, but. When we started to look at faith, faith isn't just all these parts. I think some of us have this perception that faith is a bunch of things put together. When we look at faith in the Bible, faith is just one thing. It's given by God, it's, it's measurable, meaning Jesus will say some have little faith, some have great faith, if you have the faith of a mustard seed. But what we want, really our hope is first that some all of us would just start to peel back the layer. Because when we start to peel back the layer of an orange, there's segments to it, but it's all an orange. And we know that as you peel an orange and you might eat it or whatever you're going to do with it for cooking, you might find that sometimes the oranges aren't that good. I think the first hope and prayer that we have as a church, for you, for me, is that we start to peel back the layer of our faith. Let's just peel off the layer and start to honestly talk about what is your faith. I, I would challenge that some of you don't have faith. You have belief that God is around, doing some things, real in some ways. And we want you to peel back that faith. The, the second hope really would be that your faith would grow. And as we're going to find that, that that, as we peel it back and discover what our faith is and isn't, maybe some of you are going to find yourselves asking God, I need more. I need more. And then thirdly, I, we, we would hope and pray that, that we would be a church, that when we start to peel back the layer of understanding faith and then start to figure out, God, I long for more faith in my life, that you would respond to that faith. Because as we're going to find, faith that has no living response is simply knowledge and belief in a God, but doesn't live itself in life is really not faith at all. And we want to dialogue that, and we're going to do this uh, going through many of the narratives in the gospel, and the Bible is filled with stories of faith, many stories of faith. We want to challenge you that way, and I'm going to give you some homework and hopefully you'll be able to go away from here and, and, and really start to think and, and challenge yourself on what does your faith look like? It's so much more than just feelings. And so we're really going to anchor ourselves the entire series around Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews is is a book written. Uh, it's not sure who exactly wrote it, but it's written to a, a persecuted group of people, these Hebrews that are are. St- are struggling and struggling in their faith. And so the writer immediately in Hebrews chapter 11, 1 uh, does this thing call what's called the this the faith chapter. It's the it's the hall of fame of those who lived out their faith. Hebrews eleven one, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and it's the assurance about what we do not see. And we all wanna this morning I wanna break that apart a little bit for you and help you give some Get some deeper understanding and maybe some different terminology, begin to dialogue about your faith. I would contest that many, again, in our area, have lived a life very religiously and have a belief about God, but maybe have not experienced faith. And so, th- this is where we're heading in the series. Now I'm going to pray. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to do his work uh, because I am flawed and broken. Uh, just like many of you, well, all of us. And we need God to really do dis- his presence and his spirit to do something us in changing our faith. Let me pray for us. Father, we pray right now that as we launch in an eight-week series, God, that your spirit would be moving in in our lives, peeling back the layer of our own faith, if there is some or isn't. God, and would you bring us more faith? Would you grow our faith? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's just talk a little bit about faith. Faith is always a gift from God. Contrary to what many people think is that they can they can create faith or there's a workshop for faith. It reminds me of the story of the young man who goes with his father and gets his license. And then he gets his license, and as they're driving home, he passes the test, right? They're written in the driving. And so he passes the test and he he looks at his dad, he said, can we go home and talk about driving privileges and how we're going to work out the car? You know, that's usually how it works, right? Right away, they want to know when they can use the car. The dad said, you know what? I want you to take some time. I want you to get your grades up. Let's, let's get those increased. I'd like you to study your Bible more. And thirdly, I'd like you to get a haircut. This is what the dad tells him. And so the son goes away for a month, and the son comes back a month later and says, Dad, um, I've done what you said, and this, the dad said, I'm so proud of you. He says, yeah, dad, I, I've gotten my grades up. Man, I, I've studied and read the whole Bible. I mean, I, I have just really gone after it, and, and I've read the Bible. And the dad said, yeah, but son, you never got your hair cut. And so the son said, yeah, but dad, I just, I need to tell you, gosh, as I read the Bible, I saw like Samson had long hair, and Noah had long hair, and And even Jesus himself had long hair, and the dad interrupted and said yes, and they walked everywhere they went. (laughs) So, what what is it in us that thinks that works in us earning faith? I think it says here, you have to understand that God gives faith. It's not earned. It's not some things we do for God. And then he, he's like, I'm proud of you. Here's a little bit more. Uh, God just grants faith. We would say in our world today that there are people that are, live in horrible situations around our world today. Great adversity that have unbelievable faith. We're going to read stories about Jesus saying someone who could give a mite A half of a penny, I think, or an eighth of a penny, it's it's nothing, and say, it's great faith. How how does that measure? Faith is from God, it comes from God, but it's also, to be, faith, the idea of it is to be persuaded. It means to come to trust in God, uh, to have a firm foundation and a belief. We know that faith is not just important, but critical and vital to our faith and to our understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower, it says in Ephesians, for it is by grace. Do you understand that? Grace is not something that you've done. It's by grace. That means the grace God offers through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. Hmm. So I I can't earn God's favor by Doing all the right things, getting the haircuts and doing all the right things, right? And staying away from the things that are bad. God, I don't, I don't sleep around, I don't get drunk, I, I don't cheat on my taxes, right? I don't lie that I'm not sick and, you know, I'm, I'm really not sick and I didn't go to work. Whatever it is, we start to kind of create these medals and we think we can earn that. It says, no, you've been saved through faith, And it's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It comes through this conduit of faith. But also in Hebrews 11, we'll say that without faith, look at that, impossible to please God. You ever thought about that? Again, we can go back to, God, I got a haircut. You know, God, I, I did all the things you wanted me to do. Aren't you happy with me? And it says here, the Hebrew writer says, without faith... It's impossible to please God. Merit and and good deeds and and making sure that you're not as bad as your neighbor is not pleasing to God. In fact, God calls that religion, he'll say this all the way in the Old Testament, that your traditions and your sacrifices without faith just smells bad. It's not good. I don't want it. The Hebrew writers is giving us a great picture. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe first that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is not only essential for our salvation but for pleasing God. Thirdly, really, uh, faith is going to be tested. James is really the first book of the New Testament that was written. Not necessarily in that chronological order because James is more to the back of the New Testament. But James, the half-brother of Jesus, gets out of the gate closest to the time of when Jesus died and resurrected. He he writes this. It says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We're going to be tested. Our faith will be tested. Some of you this morning are hanging on a limb off of the edge of a cliff. And your faith is being tested, because God might be shouting, "Let go," and you're going, "Gosh, I don't know what's below." Isn't that really kind of what when we talk about testing faith? Testing faith isn't the lights come on and you see that you're only four feet from the bottom and you can let go and it's easy. Testing the faith isn't okay. God, I'm gonna God's gonna show you the the parachute or show you the 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 bag that's gonna catch you. Faith has everything to do about trusting God and not knowing. And can't we see that through our Bible? So much more than just seeing the outcome. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We talked about that a few months ago. And remember their words to Nebuchadnezzar about when he's about to throw them into the furnace and he says, like, aren't you afraid? I'm paraphrasing here. He says, Aren't you afraid? He says, I'm going to do this. He said, listen, we know God can save us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't have a safety net, we're still going to let go and have faith in what his outcome is to be. So faith not only is essential for our knowing God and being saved, faith is essential in us pleasing God. Faith is always going to be tested And that's sometimes, I think, difficult in our Western culture. Because our testing looks a lot different than people who are in Syria trying to follow Jesus. Testing of our faith here in Green Bay looks a lot different in an African country that's starving. And kids are starving and praying for a meal and food. We go down the list. Our adversity and our perseverance... And our testing looks a lot different. So, a couple thoughts just for us this morning to, to anchor in on. First, faith is not a feeling. Because, couldn't we say that Abraham, as he's taking his young son, son Isaac to s- sacrifice his son because God said, let go and do this? I'm sure that he isn't humming the Boston tune and feeling like this is more than a feeling. It's so great. I feel great. This is good. I'm sure that Moses, as he's standing in front of his stepbrother, threatening death and all the plagues that are going to come, and then he's going to help the Israelites flee Egypt, and then they're going to not like him. I'm sure he's going, this does not feel good. We could go story after story that faith isn't about feeling. Because often, friends, I don't know if you felt this, there are times in my life about my faith journey, don't feel good. They don't feel good. More often than not, the feelings aren't fun. And so it's not a feeling, but it's also not just optimism. I see this often in our culture today around health issues and someone struggling with health issues and say, I'm going to fight this. And I don't say that's a bad attitude. You can be optimistic, but faith isn't wrapped up in optimism. Could you imagine Gideon when God says, take your 30,000 that's going to fight 300,000. That's too many. Uh, My optimism was low, but now you're emptying it. Because now he gets them to what? 300. Gets them to 300. Think about that. 300. There's no place for optimism there. I think many of the stories in our Bible that are filled with these faith stories are like, oh my gosh, there's not a lot of optimism in what's coming but I have faith. It's not simply optimism, it's also not brainless. Following God isn't, and having faith in God isn't being stupid, isn't being ignorant. And I think a lot of people who who know Christians and don't know God see a lot of times faith is being dumb. How could you be so stupid? How could you follow that and not know what's below you? How could you let go of the limb? That seems brainless. You see, faith isn't brainless. It's filled with a certitude, a surety, an understanding, uh, an anchor, a foundation that so transcends this idea of just optimism. And it's not just a set of facts. St. Augustine said it this way, faith is to believe what you do see But it's the reward of this faith is to see what you believe. When you believe what you do not see. Faith is to believe what you do not see. And then you get this reward because as you begin to have faith and God gives you faith and you begin to take a journey in faith you start to see some things unfold in your life that I want to say come true but just are revealed. Are revealed. One of of the because aren't all these things that we talk about a God, a lot of them are are mysterious. A lot of them are, are you can't hold on to them. So when we talk about like forgiveness. If someone's wronged you, someone's gossiped you or slandered you or hurt you or abused you. And when Jesus says you forgive, there is no limit to forgiveness. There is no crime too horrible against you that you cannot forgive. Can we see that? Do we hold on to that? Do we... Do we understand that? No, and it is even not a good feeling, right? Not too optimistic. But I wonder how many of you have taken that journey of forgiving someone that's wronged you and watched something become visible to you that you never thought could be possible. I've done it. I've, I've forgiven people that have wronged me, and it unlocks. It's like I get to see finally what I've believed in that I couldn't see. You see, the spiritual journey is much like this. And so much of what we wrap our church traditions around. Church traditions are beautiful when they point us to truth. And and the acknowledgement of our faith. Church traditions are damning when they just lead us down a, a mind filled of just punching a card. When it's not seeped into our hearts, in our hands, in our lives. And I think many people are trapped today by an awkward definition, an inappropriate definition of faith. It's this, there's a story about a young man who was in India and saw a young boy with an elephant, a massive element, uh, elephant with just a small little string-like rope on his one of his legs and just guiding him along. And the tourist just said, I, I had to stop the boy and I'm amazed how does this elephant just not break free and run? Doesn't he know? And it was very interesting because he said that, he said, well, what you have to understand is when he was a young elephant, that small little rope actually could hold him and it was chained together and he couldn't break free. And over years, over years, over years, no matter how big he got, he's still convinced that that's what's limiting him. I think some of you are limiting the idea of what you have in faith. I think you might not understand the possibility that God could bring to you when you start to have faith in your life. So let's unpack some of this. A word that I'm borrowing from Kent Hughes. He didn't make up the word. Uh, Bobby and I were not convinced it was a word, and we had to look it up because we'd never heard it before. But we Certitude is what Kent Hughes, he's from Wheaton Church down in, in Illinois. I love this. It's, it's an idea of faith. It's, it's the absolute certainty or conviction that something is the case. And so faith has wrapped in it a certitude, not blindness, not just feelings, not just optimism. And it means that it's not just belief that. Remember Jim Wallace, the cold case detective from Los Angeles that came? And he he'd mentioned these phrases. He said, You know, faith is not just believe that. What does that mean? A lot of people today believe, I believe that there's a God. I I believe that He's a part of some things. I believe this and that. And and so you have a lot of people that are trading information and that's what they believe that, that God did and didn't do. Faith is so much more than that. Look at... James, the writer, again, in chapter 2. James is going to start to unpack what does it mean to have faith. And he says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Now, again, we understand that you have to have faith to be saved. Deeds don't save you. But he's questioning if that faith isn't doing something with your hands and your feet. If it's not causing a response, is it real faith? He goes on, can such a faith save them? Is that real faith? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food, and one of them says, go in peace and keep warm and well and fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? He's saying, you know, it's one of those things. If we say we're Christians and disciples of Jesus Christ, we have faith that God sent a son to die for you and me and our, our hellbound lives, that he rescued us, The gratitude of that and then the reality of that and the faith in that he is who he says he is. When he says, now I want you to care for the poor and the broken, he's questioning. He says, if you just talk about it, that that can't be real faith. How could you possibly reconcile the reality of what God did on the cross? And we go to communion and talk about that. How could, you, how could you handle that theological reality and not let it change everything about you? I'm questioning faith. That's what James is saying. He says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. He'll go on. He says in verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You know what he's talking about? He's saying, if you want to see real faith, you'll see it in action. Faith is letting go of the limb. Faith is letting go when it doesn't look smart and optimistic, and it doesn't feel good. It's not brainless. It's a certitude that God is who he says he is, and he promised That he has a way better idea about what's best for us than we do. That he loves us better than we love ourselves. That he loves our spouse and our children and all around us. And that he just asks us to have faith. So he goes on with this, I call it the punch to the gut, this next verse. One of my favorite verses. You believe that? There is one God? He's being sarcastic. Good for you. Because even de- demons believe that there's a God. And guess what? They even fear God. Do you know how many people today believe that but don't have fear of God? And he's, James is saying that, that faith can't just merely be an intellectual concept about some facts about God. You know, they found out that he created the earth because they found these things. They're proving science wrong. I'm believing more that God did this. No, no. This idea is not about believing that God exists. It's really a a belief in. And friends, faith could be more defined about a belief in the promises of God, in the truth of God, whether I can see it or not. And so we look at the verse, Hebrews 11. And I want to break this up in the time I have left. And I want you to look at two sections. It says, now faith, this this idea of certitude, is, is confidence in confidence in you know sometimes the word confidence doesn't just give us enough and so the different versions of scripture trying to really break out this word or define this word uh it's there's different ones and if you see the ones on the left it says confidence or assurance or substance and I love this one the title deed remember when you got the deed to the car that you spent how many years trying to pay off or or your home you got the title Having the title was a what? A surety, a, a certitude that you were the owner. It was yours. There was no mistaking. When you sell a car, it's do you have the title? Why? Because it's a, it's a, it's a foundational truth that it is yours. God's saying it's, it's a, a title deed in. It is an assurance in what? In what we hope for. What do we hope for? God paints the picture of hope, and what we hope for is that Jesus will come again. We hope that God, in his, his awesome mercy and grace, is redeeming a broken world and a lost world. We hope for healing. We hope for peace. We hope for all these things, and there is a title deed that we hold in that hope. And so it's not this, oh Lord, I pray you fix our government because of that guy's president, I'm out, right? Oh, Lord, I I, I pray, I hope you show up for this. I was just telling the last service, to go, I'm not against, like, life insurance policies and all this stuff, and I'm working with somebody at church, but the process is awkward for me. Have you ever thought about this? Because in one way it's saying, God, I don't know if you have years ahead figured out for me. And so it's this tension I have, is God asking me to do this because he can't or won't, or is just my assignment, right? Or is it a response of a lack of confidence in, in him? Now, I'm not telling you don't have life insurance, please don't hear that. I'm saying the process just challenges my faith. What's my title deed in? Faith is confidence in what we hope for. Now look at it's this phrase that Kent Hughes uses. It's future certitude. I have a title deed for what's coming. And it's not hoping. It's just in the, in the cultural sense, it's a surety. It's a title deed. It's a conviction. A conviction that I can move forward in. I can continue to walk forward in that faith. Friends, that's why you read these stories in the Bible about men and women, godly men and women, that, that didn't know. We're going to read next week the stories in Hebrews. It's, it's the God calling this one to a distant land, leaving everything, not knowing where he was going, but he had a future certitude, a, a, a surety that God was going to do everything he had promised. He didn't know what that meant. How many of us operate that way in our faith? How many of us want, can, God, can you turn the floodlights on and just let me know, if I let go, what's going to happen? We want the end result. Hebrews 11, one second part says this, not only is it confidence of what we hope for, it's an assurance about what we do not see. Assurance, the evidence that is accepted for conviction. It's, it's not simply some, uh, a little bit of assurance that this is going to happen. Again, it's not hope. It's more than that. Hebrews 11, one is again, it's giving us assurance about what we do not see. I've been saying this throughout the message. How many things of the faith you just, you just can't hold on to? How can I tell you that when, when you have faith in God's provision for your life and you become a giver... Not just in tithing to the church, but a sacrificial giver and seeing people in need, that you can't outgive God. And it's not that you all of a sudden win the 1.5 billion lottery. It's that you start receiving stuff that you can't even imagine that you were. It's it's not it's almost not tangible. You receive blessing. Most of the spiritual life, friends, is so beyond the physical of what we can hold and touch and see. The Scripture says that this world is not about flesh and blood, but about the spiritual world, the realm around us. And what does it say? It says the evil one is like a roaring lion seeking to devour. When you live in that reality and there's assurance, so there's a lot of things that are going on that I don't see, but I have a a conviction about these things. And I know what God speaks is true. You see a difference Friends, than just belief, faith is so much more powerful. It's visual certitude. It's not only a future certitude, it's, it's visual certitude. It's, it's for me to begin to, even though some of the things I can't see, I have great trust in those things. I know that God brings peace when everything else looks bad. It's, it's when my mother-in-law had cancer and she said she felt great peace. I, how do you hold on to that? What is that? I, there, there are things about the faith that are so profoundly invisible but so impacting to us. This is what the, the writer's speaking of when we start to peel back this layer of faith. And so Hebrews 11.1 1 is saying, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Can you just... Feel the sense, as we're peeling back a little bit of this, faith is is deep, it's rich. It's not simply accepting a few facts about God. It's not doing God a religious favor uh, by attending services. Some of you don't know God this morning. And maybe you're here for the first time and I don't know who you are, but gosh, I'm glad you get to hear a better definition of faith because it's not religion. And it's not blind. And it's not just ridiculous optimism or good feelings. Faith is hard in a lot of ways. And I sometimes struggle with my faith. James will go on to talk about doubting. Remember Doubting Thomas. Jesus is in the room and Jesus appears to, to the disciples and Doubting Thomas is doubted. Jesus, and says, uh, can I touch the wounds? And Jesus lets him do that, and he commends him. And he says, but you get to see this and touch this. He says, there will be those that will never see and never touch, but have amazing faith. We're in that era. We're in that, that season and journey where we've not really touched Jesus physically and seen the wounds. There's a lot about our faith. We know that faith is required to be saved. Ephesians 2.8 and 9 said in the beginning. And some of us have gone into maybe the mode of trying to earn God's favor and, and trying to earn salvation. We know that just from our Bibles, no matter what denomination you come from, you can't earn God's favor. It has to come through faith. And we receive that grace by faith. But I want to show you another part of this equation. Faith equals salvation plus works. That doesn't mean your works save you. It just means when you have faith, it not only saves you, it also creates a living response. That's what James is getting at. James is getting at, listen, friends, if you have a faith and it's not living out in your life, it's not real faith. That's a belief that... That's an idea about God. You may be a good person. You may be living morally. But as we found out, there's no credit in heaven for that. There is, you only please God with what? Faith. Otherwise, it's impossible to please him. You're only saved through faith. And that faith should produce something in you. A response. A response. That faith in the midst of hanging off a limb this morning, because some of you are, it it should elicit a response in your life that I have a visual and future certitude that God is who He says He is, and He knows what's best for me. And so you let go. Why does faith look so crazy to the rest of the world? Because in some ways, it, it probably is. They don't see it, they don't have that certitude. Faith is not, again, heading to a class in college and getting all the facts and saying, I feel informed, the percentage is good, the chances are that God is good are good enough for me to risk it. Mm-mm. Faith is this conviction and assurance and this title deed that God is, is who he says he is. As we go to communion today and we go to response, really that, that is our prayer this morning. The scripture says that if you know God this morning, that you are asked to do this as often as you can. Did you know that? The Bible says do this all the time. You could do communion service at work. You could do it at your house with friends. What is the purpose of communion? The purpose of communion was not salvation. It was a reminder as Jesus' own words said in the gospel. He says, I do this so that you remember me. Remember what? Of what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to die on a cross for your sin. I'm going to save you from eternal damnation. I'm going to then offer for you a way to have relationship with my Father through faith. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that as good as you think you are, it's not good enough. I want you to remember that. I know best who you are and what you're about and what's best for you. I want you to remember that. I, I am going to allow things in your life to test your faith. I, I want you to remember that when you're holding on to that limb that's extended off that cliff in your life that I have you. I want you to remember that it may not end the way you want it to. But I want to see how much faith you have. I want to peel back the layer of what you're calling faith. And I want to see and friends, when we begin to living response this way as we go to communion, you get perseverance. And then you start to pray for more faith, and that's my challenge for you this morning. Could you take communion with a family member or a friend and go up there and look at each other in the eye and maybe just admit my faith is small. Maybe just admit where your faith is. That maybe you don't have any. Maybe you just say this morning, I just have belief, that I don't have faith. And maybe the next charge is, God, will you bring me more faith? Will you bring me more faith? If you this morning feel so confident that you have this faith and this certitude, can I give you a question? What's the living response? Because we're pretty selective, aren't we? If, if we're anything alike, and I know I struggle with this, there's certain things, oh, yeah, I'll let go of the limb. I'm not worried about that one. But this one, oof. Where in your life do you need to respond to the faith that God has already given you in your life? Friends, we get this great opportunity through music, through being led, not to create a feeling, but an intellectual and a spiritual response to God's spirit in your life about where's your faith? And so let's pray this morning and respond together. Father in heaven, we pray that your words would sink very deeply into our souls God, that if there are people in the room that don't have faith, that they would be authentic and not shamed. But God, that they might pray to seek you and understand and have faith. For those that have little, God, I pray that they would be honest and ask for more. Those with great faith in the room, God, I pray a response. That they begin to live out what it means to have faith in you. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.